The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free. This is Gail Leach, author of The Art of Pickleball, and here's the host of The Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Gail, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun and meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. I am Chris Allen, and I am your host today, joined by Mark Renison, owner and coach at Third Shot Sports in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada, just a couple of hours north of Toronto, and you can find out everything that Mark is up to by going to thirdshotsports.com. Mark, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. We got a tremendous response from your myth-busting episode a few weeks ago, and uh, I really do appreciate you sharing all that with the listeners. From what I've read and, and phone calls I've gotten, they're better players as a result of listening to you. Oh, well, it's uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Now, today is Listener Question Day. People have written in, they've called in, including Teresa from Miamisburg, Ohio. Teresa asks, no matter how close I stand to the kitchen line, people tell me I should always be standing closer. How far really should I be standing? Thanks, Teresa. Mark, what do you think? Well, it helps if we think, why are we getting up to the kitchen anyway, right? And one of the reasons is to take away time from our opponents. Mm-hmm. But the other is to receive to receive balls when they're high, or at least above net level, and to prevent receiving balls down at our feet. So the closer that she's able to get to the kitchen, the higher that ball will be when it does in fact come over. So you could just imagine if she slowly started to back up towards the baseline, that would create more and more opportunities for her opponents to get it down at her feet. So mm-hmm. ideally, she's going to get right up Uh, as close to the line as possible without touching it, and she'll be in an ideal position. Now, a lot of the time people are worried when we say, hey, yeah, get right up there, get right up there. Um, They're always worried about the lob, right? Well, Mm. what if if my opponent lobs me, or we play these two women and they're such good lobbers, and there's this fear of getting too close to the kitchen that they become susceptible to the lob. And what we see in practice... um, is in fact that this fear is slightly irrational. While it's true that people will occasionally lose points because a lob is hit so perfectly that the net players can't get to it or can't smash it, um, on balance, there's a very small percentage of the time that that actually happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's very few points that are lost because someone hits such a great lob, but there are so many points that you'll win because you're in that strong position at the net. So if I'm going to lose three points in a match because of a great lob, but I win 15 points at the net because I'm either getting balls when they're high or I'm putting pressure on my opponents or I'm forcing them to try to lob and they make an error. You'll take that trade off all day. Statistics. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. So I I really encourage people, unless, you know, your opponents are consistently lobbing effectively and you can't get it, you can't smash it or, or even get the ball back in play until they've proven that they can do that. 
don't be thrown off by losing one or two points because of a good lob, because on balance, you're likely winning more from the, taking that strong position of the net. My fear sometimes when I'm super close to the kitchen line is not that I'm going to get lobbed on, but that I'm going to look down like I've done so many times. I've, I've hit a shot and it's like, yes. And I look down. Oh, man, I was in. I'm in the kitchen. And just because I moved my foot just a little bit. And so a lot of times I want to just cheat back, not a full step or anything, but I want to give myself a, a little bit of cushion. I know some people say, you know, be one inch from the kitchen line, but uh, I like to be just a few inches back just because I don't maybe trust my footwork quite as much as I should. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a good solution to a problem. Um, and the problem is sort of not having sufficient control over your body, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so if, so if that's the, the situation you're in, then yeah, that's a good workaround, right? Give yourself that little buffer zone. Yeah. But when you watch the best players, they really do get up quite close there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It means that you have to be more aware of where your body is and in particular your feet. You have to be able to reach forward. Uh, you know, if someone's dinking the ball at your feet or mm-hmm. trying to drop it, you've got to be able to reach forward without taking that little quarter step. Right. But provided that you can do those things, you might as well get up to the optimal position. But you're right. If you if you find yourself sort of not, as you say, trusting uh, trusting yourself or where you're moving, then... Uh, which is a very polite way of saying, if you find yourself acting like a spaz out on the court, because <laughs> sometimes I feel um, like I'm Jerry Lewis running around now, hey, lady! You know, or like a like a Labrador puppy yeah. or something like that. Just this, just you know, just flailing around out there. So, yeah, I don't trust myself that much. So maybe cheat a little bit and then, but work on it. Don't don't make that a lifelong habit, I guess. But but work on more you know disciplining and, and your footwork and everything to where you can scoot up a little bit. That's right. And and players like yourself, um, I believe you're, you've mentioned before, you're quite tall. You have an advantage, right? You have long arms. You can mm-hmm. reach forward. It becomes less vital. Um, that you're right up close. But for a lot of people of, say, average height, um, they sort of need every quarter inch that they can get, right, to be able to prevent that ball from dropping down below the net. So, um, yeah, so as much as possible that you can safely still play balls at the net without going over the line, um, get as close up to the net as you can. Sounds good. We're talking with Mark Rennison of Third Shot Sports. He's answering your questions today. You've written in at mail at pickleballshow.com. You've also called in the Pickleball Hotline, and let's go to it right now. Yeah, this is Randy from Warrington, Virginia, and I have a question about the service rules. I know you have to have one foot behind the baseline when you're serving, but I can do a soft angle serve and get a better angle if I have my right foot outside the sideline but still behind the baseline. Does it matter where the other foot is as long as you have the one foot behind the baseline and within the sideline? Thanks. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate you calling in. A a rules question, another rules question. So he's saying that if he's serving, he's got one foot within the the sideline, but the other foot's hanging out of the sideline just because he wants to get the maximum angle to go cross court. Is that what you you heard him say? That's what I, that's what I heard him say. He's trying to get that maximum angle, which is uh, which, which is I a great, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a great idea. Uh, the trick is just do it without stepping outside of that sideline. So it doesn't matter whether it's your left foot or your right foot. If it has crossed uh, the sideline, then you're in an illegal position to serve. Okay. So if he can find a way to keep that foot in the air, or you know, like reach a little more with his with his upper body, but uh, you know, airspace doesn't count. But but where his foot is making contact with the so foot. So he does. could he could technically lift lift his foot like as he's serving. He could almost step 
like take a step sideways and as long as the ball makes contact with the paddle while his foot's in the air then he could come down outside of the the uh, sideline and it would be legal right i believe so we we should get uh, wayne mugley to confirm it but yeah but i know that when you uh when you're stepping in right you're allowed to step over that line so long as you're not touching it with mm-hmm. one foot yeah um yeah, i think the same, this, i think that. yeah i think the same would apply here and it's a good it's a great idea, right, to try to sort of position yourself as well as possible to perform the shot you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're taking that step outside the sideline, you're going a little too far. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, but that uh, you might look a little bit like a flamingo when you serve if you've got the one foot up. But uh, if you're willing to live with that, then go for it. That's right. A new <laughs> technique. This is how new technique develops. Yeah. The flamingo serve. Yeah. We'll already, already give it a give it a weird name. Let's go back to the email here. And uh, Daryl in Smyrna, Georgia wrote in and Daryl says, I know what proper ready position is at the non-volley zone, but what is the best ready position at the baseline? That's a good question because, you know, ready position at the uh, non-volley zone, you've got your paddle up, your, the blade is, is facing uh, flat, and you're ready to receive it. But to, at the, at the uh, baseline, is there, a, is there a best position, Mark? So this, this notion of the ready position or the ready stance, I think is problematic because very often when we talk about it, what people imagine is something that's really sort of static and rooted. You know, you're sort of facing, you're facing forward, your chest is facing forward, you're really sort of planted in that spot. Mm-hmm. But what we see uh, is that pickleball is a really athletic game, right? It requires lots of dynamic movement where you're stretching and, and rushing in or rushing back. And we know um, objects that are in motion tend to stay in motion. So for me, rather than thinking about having a ready position, it's far more useful to think about having an, an athletic look. So if we talk about having an athletic look, what would that look like? And all of a sudden you see all the people around, they, they start sort of bouncing, right? They, they're mm-hmm. bouncing almost like, um, almost like they're skipping rope or like they sort of look like a boxer. Uh-huh, right? Shifting their weight, yeah. Yeah, right. So there's this um, dynamic athletic look that's preparing the person, whether they have to go left or right quickly, whether they have to back up because it's a deep serve, whether they have to go forward because it's a short one, um, whatever it is, I would way rather have my students, yes, be in a neutral stance where they're facing forward, you know, not privileging their forehand or backhand side, mm-hmm. but I would way rather have them be, um, be moving and light on their feet and athletic looking. We very often say, even with our beginner clinics, we say, look, this is an athletic sport and we need to have that athletic look. Let's try if we can do this so that when people walk by and look in, they look at us and say, wow, I want that guy or I want that girl on my soccer team or my basketball team. I don't even know if they can play soccer or basketball, <laughs> but they look like an athlete, right? That's, mm-hmm. what we're go- that's what we're going for. And you don't get that kind of look and you don't get that kind of dynamic movement when people are sort of hunkered down, you know, almost like they're um, like a linebacker in football, like ready to take a hit. Like you said, you need to be ready for anything. Right, right. And you need to be ready for anything so psychologically and you need to be ready to move anywhere physically. And you're far more likely to be ready to move if you're already uh, light and bouncy and moving, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I would way rather that, uh, that people think about having an athletic look and being ready to move rather than having this sort of stationary stance where they're sort of rooted into the ground. That's great advice. That really is. And you have enough time with the serve, even a, a smoke and serve, you, you have enough time to react to it. And it would be would make sense to just be ready for anything and be able to go in any direction instead of being locked into one supposedly perfect uh, stance. 
That's right, right? Because the ball doesn't, I mean, the main skill of pickleball isn't hitting. Hitting's easy. The hard part of pickleball is moving, is getting to the ball to play the shot you want. And so it's important when we're playing that we think of ourselves as movers, as people who need to chase the ball, not just someone who sort of bumps the ball over when it happens to come perfectly to them. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, good advice there. Let's go to another email question. This is from Carl in Ocala, Florida. And Carl says, people I play with get mad when I hit their bodies with the ball. But I've, (laughs) I've always been told that it's good strategy. And uh, he says, am I doing or am I wrong to be doing this or are they wrong for thinking this way? I never aim for the face and I try not to hit it exceptionally hard. All right, Carl. So Carl's just taking no prisoners. That's right. That's right. Well, um, uh, my advice to Carl was that would be that he needs to know his audience. He needs to know the people that he's playing with. And if he is playing in a competitive tournament, where you know the primary goal when you're out there competing is to win, then go for it, right? No problem. Mm-hmm. It, it is part of the game, as he said, and it, is, it can be a good strategy. However, if he is playing social pickleball with some people that he knows have sort of taken offense to this before, or if they're kind of a different skill level involved, and it's not just about winning, but it's about sort of the social aspect and being friends with people and keeping people happy, then you might think twice about hitting right at that person's body, mm-hmm. right? So, um, of course, you know, it's good to hear you don't aim at the face and, you know, you hit the person in the body and you sort of put up your hand and, and give a little apology. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's all part of it. But I really do think this is a case where the context matters. And if you're in a social group that's very recreational, where everyone's just there to have a good time. And for them, getting hit with the ball means probably not having a good time. Then he either A, might want to hold back on hitting that ball, or B, find a different group of players. <laughs> right? Because you know, you know when you find your group and you find your group of people and, and they're out there and you know you, you hit them in the chest because their partner popped up a softball, like that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and no harm, no foul, like some people will get that. Oh, yeah. And then there's others that will feel like maybe you didn't cross sort of an ethical line in terms of winning the game, but you did cross an ethical line in terms of social propriety. Yeah, there definitely is a balance to, to both there. Yeah, so um, so either either hold back a little bit or uh, or rethink your your foursome. And Mark, if people want to uh, learn more from you or get in touch with you and see what you're up to, where's the best place for them to go? Best place is to go to thirdshotsports.com, and from there you can see what we've got happening in pickleball and tennis, and you can email me and you can subscribe to our pickleball newsletter. And we've got videos and we've got articles and uh, just about everything you could want. Thirdshotsports.com. Sounds good, Mark. Thank you for the time today and the great advice. We look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you soon. And you know what? I need to send out some special thanks to a group who has been sharing each and every link we've been putting up on Facebook to The Pickleball Show. You've done such a great job helping to spread the word. I have got to thank you, Champaign, Illinois Area Pickleball. You guys are great. Really appreciate the support. And you can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash show. Also, twitter.com slash show. But uh, the best place is the good old website, pickleballshow.com. You can email us to mail at pickleballshow. And if you think of it, head over to iTunes and leave a quick five-star review, which helps boost us up in the rankings and makes it so much easier for people to find the show all around the world. And thank you for helping to spread the word. We really do appreciate it. All right, I'm Chris Allen. This is The Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. 
The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.